welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Amen. Well, hey, good morning, church. Morning. You guys doing well? Yeah? Amen? Amen, man, such a powerful time in worship. And so, man, I just quickly want to tell you, man, if it's your first time here, my name's Buck, and uh, I had the privilege of serving uh, as the lead pastor here uh, at Connection. And so, man, we're, we're super thankful that you're here. Um, you know, you never know when you go into a Sunday kind of, kind of what God has for you. And so, um, you, you know, you never want to, to come to church just kind of expecting the same old thing. Does that make sense? That we are routine people, but sometimes... Uh, God likes to cut into our routine. Is that right? And so this morning, um, I, I don't really know uh, what it means. And, and, and one thing I've always shared and, and wanted to share with you is uh, I, I want to be authentic and transparent. You know, I never want to put on a face. I never want to teach things that are just uh, good ideas or, or whatever. And so I, I just want to share about 9.15 at my desk I don't know, I just had this time with God, and it felt like I just experienced the goodness of the gospel all over again. And, and a lot of times when you experience the goodness of God, the presence of God, and the reality of Jesus, uh, there comes a brokenness with that, uh, a, a kind of sense of weight. And so I, I'm still processing it, and I, I guess what I'm trying to say, most of you that have heard me preach before, uh, you know, most of the time it's pretty upbeat and that kind of thing. Uh, listen, if I just go to crying halfway through the sermon, like, I promise I'm not just a big sissy, okay? Um, and, and so I don't really know what, what all God's up to, but I know he has something good for us today. Amen? Amen. So if you will, grab your Bible. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter uh, chapter 2 um, is where we'll be today, 2 Peter chapter 2. Uh, continuing on in a series called A Sign of the Times. And, and I believe this series uh, is on time for this time. Uh, I, I've come to uh, really be reassured in that and, and, and just see that uh, this is a, uh, something we need to hear uh, today, all right? And so before I jump in, I do want to quickly acknowledge uh, something. Man, we have been fasting for 21 days. I believe today, the end of today makes day 21. And I just want to tell you as a pastor uh, how encouraging it is that it seems like everyone I talked to uh, fasted something. I don't know what the percentage of participation was, but it seemed like everyone just got on board. Like we weren't super dogmatic or oppressive about it. We just said, hey, we, we feel led to fast. In the Bible, it says to fast and pray. I know sometimes that seems like maybe a super Christian, super spiritual kind of thing. Uh, but man, I know a lot of you got on board and I pray God has moved as I've heard many stories of him moving in your life. But what I want you to know is that in the past three weeks, uh, 20 plus people have entered the kingdom of God. And so I want you to take with you, if you're new to church, when I first got saved, the, the church we came to here the first Sunday, he was actually leading through a fast. And I learned a lot through uh, fasting. But I want you to take this spiritual principle with you, okay? It says in James 4 that if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to us. When, when we show that we're serious of God, I want uh, to see, I want to hear from you. I want to experience you in my life. I'm willing to uh, abstain from something fleshly to, to, to really seek after you. Uh, you know, God's not just going to back up. He comes in and moves in the midst of our lives. And so that's what we're seeing. I also have one more thing to celebrate. Also, one thing that has blown my mind all week. Um, last Sunday, 
178 children, fifth grade and under, came and heard the gospel right here at this church. And so I want you to know that two things to consider. Number one, uh, if your heart and soul, and man, you, you know, uh, and you're not serving kids, man, I would encourage you uh, to maybe take one Sunday a month, something we're very serious about at our churches. We don't want to burn people out. We don't, we don't have like 10% of the church, man. We have a large number that rotate to go and take care of the needs of our kids. And man, in this day and time, when the truth is maligned, and just like I'm going to talk about today, what a privilege to teach the truth to 178 of our next generation. I, I count that a privilege and a stewardship opportunity for our church. Also, knowing that the generosity initiative, uh, as we give to that, as we get to our goal, uh, we're we really praying for wisdom of, God, what do you want to do as we are growing rapidly? Week after week, it seems like more and more. And so um, before we dive into the message, uh, I just want to pray for those things. I want to pray that God would lead us and, and provide for us, whether it be the facility faster than usual or just whatever God wants to do, I want to pray. And then I specifically want to pray over the message today that God would just come and move. Let's pray. God, I do love you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for what you're already doing. God, I pray. Lord, one, would you give us wisdom as a church? Would you give us lead, our leaders as a church, God, wisdom? of how to lead well what you're doing. God, may we continue to keep you our focus. And God, would you unite our hearts as a church to this one cause, God, to give you glory by proclaiming your name and making disciples. May you unite us in that. God, may you provide for us in extraordinary ways. May you move our hearts to do those things. And God, I pray for all of our children, Lord. I pray that we would steward well the gospel in our generation. But God, I pray for this next one to walk with you and God to be used greatly for your kingdom. And God, I pray for the message today. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Peter, 2 Peter 2 is where we'll be. Let's read it and we're gonna hop in. So it says this. It says, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false prophets among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare angels when, he sinned, when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the, by the, the depraved conduct of the lawless. For that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the, un, the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. So we'll stop right there. 
So what we've been learning in this study and in this uh, really reading through the book of uh, 2 Peter is that Peter the Apostle uh, is writing uh, most likely one of his last letters uh, to a group of scattered churches. And so what he's been teaching us in chapter 1 is that we are to remember the gospel and we are to grow in our faith. To remember the gospel and to grow in our faith. If you'll remember last week we talked about Growing in our faith, another thing that he affirmed for us that he knew would be critical is that we see and know that the Word of God is, in fact, the inspired Word from God. That the book I hold is is God's Word for us, for the churches then, but for the church today. And I want you to know as I preach and and share this message that uh, whatever I'm going to say, listen, all the power and the authority comes from the words that I just read. And that it isn't amazing that God can speak thousands of years ago, but it comes to us on time for this time to instruct us, correct us, to rebuke us, and to train us in righteousness. And that's what we're here uh, to do. And so um, as we move in, the reason why he says to remember the gospel, to grow in the trust of the Bible is because false teachers are going to come among you. That's what he's telling the church, that there will be people that will be raised up to malign the word, to twist the word, and to lead you uh, astray. Now, I was thinking on this and the magnitude of teaching and leadership. Does anybody have a teacher when they were in school that you just remember? They had a big impact on your life, right? Is that anybody? Are y'all too shell-shocked to respond? Are you good? Is everybody here? So, For me, it was a man named Bobby George. And uh, Bobby, if you ever listen to this, man, I'm thankful for your influence. Bobby was a little short guy uh, with with kind of balding red hair. And uh, and man, he just had all of these like uh, methodical, like kind of corny sayings, right? Uh, Like he had sayings and, and lists all over the room that said, do right, do right, do right. And then one of them, you know, was he would say, all right, fellas, we're starting the year. But man, how do we eat an elephant? One bite at a time right? And he would kind of coach you up. And, but man, he was a wonderful history teacher. And you know what? By seeing how he taught me and his influence on my life, you know what I went and did? I went and got a history degree and I became a history teacher. That's the impact of a teacher on a life. And, and as I think about the magnitude of teaching, and even as I stand here and preach the word to you, uh, I just want to give honor to a man named Brandon Williams. A guy who in Statesboro, if you don't know the history of our church, uh, there was a, a man who God had raised up and had given him a simple vision to preach the gospel, to preach the word, to stay away from religion, keep it about the gospel, and keep it about connecting people to Jesus. And man, he, he went through, uh, because at that time, that, that kind of church didn't exist in that area, and they called him crazy. They, they blasted him. Churches were threatened by him. He went through all sorts of difficulties and struggles to to do the very thing God had called him to do. And man, he had the humility and the obedience to take a group of jack legs like me and about four other guys, and he began to invest in us and put that pure heart of, hey, keep it about the word, be men of integrity, preach the gospel, see people say, make disciples. And you know what I did? I learned from him. I learned from the lessons he taught. I learned from the things. But as much as I learned what he taught me, I learned by watching what he did. He modeled it for me in front of me. And so uh, the impact of a teacher uh, is incredible. And I, 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 man, I'm telling you, I just want to give him honor because I've experienced that. 
And so where am I getting to? What are we going to today? Uh, Listen, I want you to take this with you. Edgar Dale said this. We remember 10% of what we read, 20% of what we hear, 30% of what we see, 50% of what we see and hear, 70% of what we discuss with others, 80% of what we personally experience, and 95% of what we teach others. So where am I getting to? Listen, take this with you if you're taking notes. Who we listen to, who we learn from, how we live, and what we teach matters. Hear that again. Who we listen to, who we learn from, how we live, and what we teach matters. Why? Because today we're going to see that God judges falsehood and false teachers, but he delivers and uses his people. Hear that again. Today, we're driving to one point. God judges falsehood and false teachers, but he delivers and uses his people. And God has a sense of humor as I'm kind of broken at my desk and, and just uh, getting ready for the service today. You know, it starts raining. You know me, I'm an I'm a upbeat, positive guy. And I just look out and say, man, what a day to preach on uh, God's judgment on falsehood, right? <laughs> what, a, what a happy message. But I promise you, because of the cross, we're going to end the message in joy. We're going to mend the message in joy. So let's look. Number one, we serve a God who judges falsehood. Hear that again. We serve a God who judges falsehood. And so I want to give you four things that we see in the passage. What are four signs of false teachers? And I want to tell you, uh, it is happening today in our time. It has happened since Peter's time. And we as the church need to be aware of the, uh, of the indicators of false teaching. So he gives us four. Number one, Uh, they're going to teach heresy. We see this in verse 1. And what heresy is, uh, is it is maligning and twisting and distorting the Word of God. Maligning, twisting, and distorting the Word of God, Uh, whether it be for uh, in their ignorance or for their own gain. The second thing we see is depraved conduct, which means bad character, right? I want to tell you this. If you run into someone who seems super spiritual, and they, they, they seem like they've got it all together and you're kind of drawn into here. But if you look at their track record and it's nothing but sin and pain and brokenness, you need to go the other way. You need to go the other way. God tells us this in Matthew 7 that you'll recognize uh, uh, false prophets by the fruit they bear. And fruitfulness is the track record of a life that, uh, that we are to listen to teachers and people of authority uh, who are growing. None of them are perfect, but they have a track record of consistent fruit and faithfulness. And then thirdly, we see the mark of a false teacher. It's greed. It's greed. Timothy tells us this, that, that money is the root of all sorts of evil, that people will take and distort spiritual teachings uh, to, uh, to get money and wealth for their own gain. It says this is a picture of a false teacher. And then fourthly, we see it in verse 10, that false teachers will despise authority. Despise authority. Listen to me. Great leaders don't lead well until they're great followers first. Great leaders aren't great leaders unless they followed well first. Jesus said this, he said that um, I can only do what I see my father doing. Even the picture of his leadership began with surrender. Hear that again. A picture of Jesus' leadership in life began with surrender. You guys heard the word uh, of of kind of that word today that, that great leadership starts with great followership and submission. And it's the same way with looking at leaders, that leaders that, that want to impose and want to uh, appear to be something that they're not, um, it's very dangerous. And so why did Jesus and why did 
God's word say through Peter why this is so, so critical. I go back and I was thinking about, man, with fasting, I don't know if any of you guys uh, did the Daniels fast, but how many is just missing a great piece of that Charles Durst or John Durst, whatever it's called, that light bread? Anybody missing some bread on this fast? I mean, dude, I... I'm going to slap mayonnaise on there so fat, I'm going to look like daggum Hulk Hogan with, with mayonnaise right here. I'm, going to, I'm just going to put mayonnaise on a sandwich, and it's going to be, I, I don't even know, I might put turkey, I don't know yet. But I'm going to put it on that sandwich, and I'm going to eat it, because I love a piece of bread. And I was thinking about this, and Jesus said something about false teachers. He said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. And so let me share what yeast does and what he meant by that. And what Pharisees were is they were false teachers. They, were, they had a form of godliness absent of spirit's power. They were very religious, but they weren't very righteous in Christ. They were very religious, but they weren't made righteous in Christ. And so he says, uh, beware of the yeast. Well, this is what happens when yeast gets in the bread. Once it's reactivated, yeast begins feeding on sugars in flour. And it releases carbon dioxide that makes the bread rise. So, so basically, it's a picture of man like sugar is what makes bread great. And this yeast just begins to eat all the good sugar out of the bread. And it creates this rising effect, this, this blown up. Think about puffy pride effect. And it begins to release an aroma into the bread, a distinct flavor. What is Jesus trying to teach us here? Bad teachers and bad influence corrupts the whole batch. Bad teachers, bad leadership corrupts the whole batch. And so one thing that I have just built, and, and, and I see this in the life of Jesus, and I see this in the world, and man, I hurt when people hurt. I know many of you have experienced, you've been failed many times, whether it be by men, women, job, bosses, uh, uh, family, dads, moms, but really what John Maxwell says, and he's talking about leadership stuff, but he says everything rises and falls on leadership. I believe that. That's why we better be surrendered to the greatest leader, and that's Jesus. Jesus is the only leader that's leading for all eternity. He's the only one who, who has two billion followers, and he's not here presently in the body, but people still follow him. Why? Uh, because he is going to lead us for all eternity. He is a model of who we are to be. He is the perfect example of what should I be in life? How should I lead? Because I've felt the brokenness of others. I've felt the, the pain of a bad leadership and people treating me wrong. Listen, the standard and the mark of all that is right is in one man who with one name and his name is Jesus. And something that the Bible teaches us here in talking about the weight and the responsibility of leadership, and maybe it's why God's got me in this place today, but James 3.1 tells us this. It says, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Can I tell you something? As a high school wrestling coach, knowing I was called to do this, that scared the daylights out of me. That one day, I'm going to stand before God. My wife won't be there. My kids won't be there. You won't be there. It's going to be me and God. And I'm going to give him an account of what I did with this book and with you. And there's a weight to that. There's a weight to that that's real. And, you know, I think what we're looking at in our time is spiritual leadership. And let me say something. Not everybody in here is a pastor. Some of you are called to be. Some of you are going to be. Some of you, we're going to send out, we're going to plant churches. But all of us have influence over someone, right? 
So the principle applies. This is talking just as spiritual leadership. And what I would say about leadership a lot of times, everybody wants the influence, but not many embrace the responsibility. Everybody wants the influence, but not everyone embraces the responsibility. And so what God's teaching us here is that uh, uh, this, this uh, false teachers, it, it tells us in his word that they're going to be judged. It said that Satan, what did he want to do? He wanted to be God. He didn't want to follow. He wanted to be God, and he was thrown into hell. It says in the ancient world that Noah, a preacher of righteousness, that an entire generation, he flooded it to start over. It, we go on, and what does it say? It says Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, he removed them, and there were people that lived and led false. They lived and led how they wanted to and not with the word of God, and God judges falsehood, right? I told y'all, rain's coming down. We're just doom and gloom, but listen, it's gonna get better. But aren't you glad that what's wrong in this world isn't gonna get the slip? And that we serve a God who's holy and righteous in what he does. Now, I want to encourage, and I want you to go uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, 11 through 16. It'll be on the screen for us. Uh, this is uh, Paul, one of the greatest missionaries of, of all the, one of the, one of the greatest leaders of all time, one of the, the strongest Christians. This is what he's sharing to his disciple, Timothy. He says this in 1 Timothy 4, 11, command and teach these things. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. He says, do not neglect your gift, which was given you through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. It says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Now, verse 16, here's the weight right here. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself what and your hearers. What it's saying is there's a generational effect. There is a weight to leadership. And he's saying that, Timothy, I'm about to go. I'm about to go be with the Lord, but I want you to be a strong man, faithful man, stay on the word, live it, preach it. You're not going to do it perfect, but stay with it because I want to see the generation behind me, the generation behind you, the generation behind them come to know Jesus and get to heaven. And he said, be strong. Listen, I, I believe that today, as the world gets, world gets darker and, and we see this, this time of really spiritual, this wrestling of, of how, does, uh, ortho, how does faithful biblical Christianity, how does it engage a lost and dying world? Do we need better methods? Listen, I'm convinced the church doesn't need better methods. We need better men. The church doesn't need a different method. We need better men and women. And that's not to condemn you, but just to encourage you because many of you, I want you to know, I've watched you come to faith in Jesus in here and you're the first one in your family. You've never seen it. You've never, you've never watched it model. You wanna know who my heroes are? They're you. They're, they're you. That, that, you. You guys don't know, man. I see what you've given up to surrender. It was easier for me. I grew up around it. Man, you're, you're heroic to me. It, it blows me away that, that in a day where people say the church is dying, it's alive and it's changing lives. I see it right here every week. And I want you to know, man, that, that in a day where people are maligning and they're watering down stuff, God judges falsehood, period. If we don't know the truth and we live false, we'll be judged for being false. I know that don't feel good. It never feels good to anybody. 
But I want you to know something. The Bible commands me, it commands us to speak the truth in love. And there ain't not a person on the planet don't want to be liked. I mean, there ain't not a person. I want you guys to think I'm great. I want you guys to just love. I want, if I could just come up here and motivationally talk every week, man, I'd be happy. But unfortunately, that ain't what God's called me to do. And listen, if I don't preach the truth to you and say hard things, you need to run from here, right? Because uh, the most unloving thing I could do is water down truth. That's not loving. That's loving me. That's loving my comfort. That's loving what I enjoy doing. And man, I, I love you enough. I don't want to fill your head with knowledge. I want to fill your heart with Jesus. And that comes from his word, and that comes from truth. So listen, as false teachers are here, and false teaching is, is happening, we're seeing things break up in Orthodox, like churches I've been a part of, we're seeing things splinter because of the word of God. How can we guard against false teaching? Number one, take this with you. Uh, trust Jesus and begin to live in him. Trust Jesus and begin to live in him. We're gonna talk more about this later. The best defense against false teaching is right teaching and right living. The best defense against false teaching is right, uh, is, is right living. Number two, take this with you. Read the word and use trusted resources. Read the word and use trusted resources. Number three, pray for discernment and trust the Holy Spirit. Three things, how do we, how do we keep ourselves from false teaching? Number one, uh, you gotta have Jesus in your heart. You begin to grow. Number two, remember, we gotta read the word and use trusted resources, commentaries, study Bibles. Number three, pray for discernment and trust the Spirit. He won't lead you astray. Now, second thing I want you to take with you today. We serve a God who delivers and uses his people. We serve a God who delivers and uses his people. In the middle of darkness, God always keeps a remnant of light. Always. We see here that, that two, two characters. Number one is Noah. So Noah, they thought he was crazy. All right, God said, listen, I'm about to pour out judgment. I'm not holding back anymore. I'm going to pour out judgment. Noah, I need you uh, to build an ark, and I want you to save your family. Why? Because Noah had a heart for God. In the middle of a world where no one followed, Noah did it. You remember those heroes I'm talking about? Some of you are Noahs because you come from nothing but darkness, but you've chose to say yes to Jesus, step into light. It costs Noah something to follow Christ. And so uh, we see Noah stepping into the boat and beginning to obey when people thought he was crazy. The second one was Lot. And what, how does he describe these men? For Noah, he said he was a preacher of righteousness. He did and preached what was right. Then he says with Lot, he was a righteous man that was distressed by the conduct of the lawless. He was distressed by sin. That when he saw the brokenness around him, he didn't do two things. One, he didn't go live in it. Number two, he didn't just say, man, bump them. He was concerned. He, God gave him a soft heart to be concerned about the darkness around him. If you'll remember that conversation with Lot, he's like, God, don't destroy this city. If there's 50 faithful men, let it go. God said, all right, couldn't find any. And he kept dwindling it down that, that this was the last the remnant. This was Lot was all that's left. And he said, all right, God, I'm getting out. And Lot goes and, and God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. And so what does this mean for us? Listen, if you know Christ, God is on your side and he's gonna deliver you. You don't have to fear judgment. We don't have to read these stories. If you know Christ, he's for you. He's with you. All the songs we sing, he delivers you. How many have seen you deliver, seen him deliver you through your struggles already? Have you ever come to a, a mountain in your life and you said, God, there is no way and he made a way? That's because he's on your side. 
That's because God is with you and for you, but the key is knowing Christ. And this is what I'll say about our culture today. We got two narratives, all right? We got two narratives. There's one, man, how many, we have some school teachers in the house. What kind of darkness do our young people, what are they living in and walking in and what are they seeing on their phones, right? I mean, it's dark, man. It's hard times. I mean, I mean, it, it is, uh, the, 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 Satan's been attacking the family. He attacks marriages. He, he's attacking children, all the social media, uh, mental health issues, all these apps with just the promiscuity. And, and there's such a skewed view of God's design that it can feel defeating. Can anybody, do you feel that way sometimes? Of like, God, we're trying to gain ground. We feel like we're losing. We're, we're losing in the home. We're losing all these things. And so this is this one narrative that we can embrace, just like uh, really Lot could have just said, man, world's going to pot. Even the churches are breaking up. Bump it. Bump it. I don't care. I may just go live in it. Bump it. Who cares? So that's one narrative we can embrace. But I want to tell you another one, that cover to cover, scripture to, uh, cover to cover in the scriptures, God always leaves a remnant of light because not only did God deliver Noah, not only did God deliver Lot, he used Noah and he used Lot to rebuild. Not only did God deliver Noah, he used Noah. When he got him off the boat, he began to build his family. He began to build out light. And listen to me, this is the narrative that I have chosen. I pray you choose to live your life. God, if we know Christ, we have been given the vehicle. We have been given keys to the only vehicle that we can crank up, we can drive and go forward, and we can change the world. The church is the hope of the world. God said, I will build my church, and the very gates of hell will not prevail against it. And God's been making good on that promise for 2,000 plus years that he would build his church and all he's looking for is not talented people, it's not gifted people, he's looking for surrendered and available people and we will be a difference in this dark world. That's a fact, man. And so we, we really see these two narratives and which one are you living? Because even if it's new to you, man, again, some of you, we've seen so many new converts, even if it's new to you, listen, you, you, God will use you Man, sometimes in prolific ways, even as you just get on board, man, to show a picture of his light. And God has planted us here for such a time as this for his glory and the good of the world. I choose that narrative. I choose that narrative. And so what I believe is that as our culture gets darker, we as the people will shine brighter. That, that, that we, we have been called for such a time as this to give this narrative, don't be defeated, don't be darkened, don't, don't stay down in your sin, don't, don't do those things because God has given us a mission. God has given us a purpose. God has raised us for such a time as this and give this narrative that for God, with God, nothing is impossible. That God's gonna build his church and why not a group of us? I know we're getting more spread out in ages, but a lot of us, I mean, we got kids, and I know what y'all are doing when you're not here. And, and listen, why not? Why not us? Why not now? Why not use us, Lord? And this is a picture of the narrative. I want you to read with me 2 Timothy 3. It'll be on the screen. And you talk about a word for today. I, I read this today and, and this week, and, and man, it just hit me of like, Timothy, uh, Paul was talking to Timothy then, but he was getting us ready for now. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, 
unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good. It says they'll be treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And it says having a form of godliness, that's religion, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind that worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. But, but as Jonas and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds. And let me share real quick. Depravity is God handing us over where there's no conviction and we just live in it. That we just get handed over to what we want to do. That's what he's saying. In the last days, people are going to do wrong. They're going to do wrong. They're going to do wrong. They're going to convict, going to convict. And then finally, they're handed over. Right? And it says, there'll be people of depraved minds who as far as faith is concerned are rejected. Verse 9. But they will not get very far because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. God will expose it. But now, that's the dark narrative. How many would embrace we live in that time now? Would y'all agree? Y'all can lift your hand, man. Respond a little bit or I'll be here all day. There we go. Thank you. All right. You, however, flip the narrative. This is Paul's disciple, Timothy. If we're followers of Christ, we're disciples of Christ. Disciples are called to grow. And so Paul, again, who had nothing but a heart to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. This is Timothy, his, his key disciple, his main man, training him up to be the, the pastor at Ephesus. And this is his final charge. So if I could, I could do what I enjoy doing, if I could give you a charge, listen, he says, you, however, know all about my way of, my, about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from them all. And he says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. It says, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to what? Make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that... The servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What he's saying is, Timothy, this is what you're in, and this is what you are to be. To be trained in the word, to be used in the word, to stand on the word, to be an agent of light and darkness. And Timothy, God will use you. God will use you to spread light in a dark place. God will use you. Listen to me, everyone here. If you'll say yes to Christ, if you'll surrender, if you'll, if you'll, he'll use you. He'll use you in your workplace. He'll use you in your home, and you'll see God do great things. Listen, three things to take with you. God delivers lives he's the Lord of. God delivers lives he's the Lord of. In the midst of those first nine verses of Timothy, those 10 through 17 are yours. God blesses plans he's at the center of, and he uses leaders that rely on him. Not talented leaders, but dependent leaders. He, and that's all of us, I pray, we would be. So I want to ask you the question, which narrative are you living? Do you wake up in defeat? Do you wake up just riddled with the circumstances, they're like, bump it, dark world, don't care. Or Jesus, let me be an agent of light. Let me be the change that, that needs to be for the glory of God and the good of the world where you plant me today. And I pray you would join and we would join together to live this narrative. That we'd say that we are those people and we want to make a difference for the glory of God. 
And so lastly, I want to leave you with this. As you kind of weigh on those things, we serve a God who rescues through Christ. We serve a God who rescues. So I'm at my desk this morning about 9.15. And man, it, it just hit me. You know, I, I, I preach to you guys, I preach the gospel, and the gospel hit me. And you know what it was? It was who, who am I to stand up there and teach you, th- you guys these things? Those stuff that I talked about, that's stuff I struggle with. That's stuff I don't get right. And I think, Lord, and man, I'm just going to tell you all, leadership's hard. It's hard to lead a church in 2023. And sometimes I, I ask, like, Lord, am I enough? Lord, am I, am I, can I even preach this to these people as I have this stuff going on in me? Thought life, all these things. And I just broke, man, 9.15, out of nowhere. And I began to ask, like, Lord, am, am I, can I do this? Like, Am, am, I, am I the man to do this? And, and, and I was just broken. I don't know how it sounds. I could keep describing it. I was just broken about my sin. Because when I look at Jesus and I read this, I got a lot. I, I'm not like Jesus. There's a lot he's got to do in me. And I just began to sit with that. And Paul's words came to mind. As I sat and I looked and I looked into my sin, my own stuff, and Paul said this, what a wretched man I am, what a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? And then he says, Thanks be to God who rescues me through Christ Jesus. And as I pondered on my sin and I began to think, like, Lord, what, what are you trying to teach me today? And I went to John 17, it won't be on the, the screen. And it says, Sanctify me. It says that as Jesus is praying for the disciples, he says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And I begin to think about sanctification and growth. And I'm like, Lord, why, why do I feel this weight? Why do I feel this burden? Well, of course you do, Buck. Listen, sanctification is a picture of becoming more like Jesus. It is an ongoing process. And if I feel like I've arrived, that means I woke up in heaven. And that's the point. Listen, if you're convicted now, that's good. Because the point of sanctification and the point of reading Scripture is not to teach us what we, uh, what we need to do and all these things. No, it's to point us for our need for Jesus. And this one half of the brokenness of my sin, and then I lifted my eyes and I looked to the cross and I said, man, praise God. They Praise God. I don't need a better version of Buck. I need more of Jesus in Buck. And that's the picture. Listen, that is the beauty of the gospel. And if that ever dulls to us, if that ever numbs to us, sometimes we got to get to our desk at 9.15 and be crushed by the weight of our sin and redeemed by the glory of our Savior on the cross. And it's broken me, man. There ain't nothing to hide, no, no nothing. And so I just want to share with you today Maybe for some, you've never heard the gospel, you've heard it a thousand times, but you've never been broken. And, and I thought, I said, God, maybe, maybe you want someone to experience that today, to, to truly feel the weight of sin and then feel the weight of the cross. And here's the gospel. 
Number one, we have to understand the holiness of God. Listen, as we look at a dark and dying world, we don't water down the standard because listen, God is the standard and God is holy. That means he's perfect and right and all he does, he's never sinned, he's never made a mistake. He never messed up a stroke of the pen when he wrote the Bible. He is holy in all he does, right? He's holy and righteous. And that man, when, when we look at us and the second thing we gotta understand about the Bible that we serve a holy, loving, and just God, we have to look at the sinfulness of man. From Adam and Eve down to us, sin is deeper than the bad things we do or think. It's who we are apart from Christ. And that, man, really what you get into is this tension of, as you read those things, Buck, and you begin to feel the things that I am, how, how, the question we ask ourselves, I guarantee you, how good is good enough? How good is good enough? Like, God, what, what, what about this? How good is good enough? But what we see when we look at a perfect standard, right? All we see in the Bible teaches us that we are like filthy rags before a holy God. That means our best efforts. Listen, on my best day when I'm crushing it, when I'm not struggling with things, um, um, you know, I feel like, man, God loves me today. I'm good today. I'm good. And then on the days where I struggle or God illuminates parts of my life that haven't been given over to him, I think, man, I stink and God's bad. Listen, what you got to understand about the gospel is it's not good and bad. It's death or life in Christ. And that, man, if I know Christ, he loves me just as much on the day I'm crushing it as the day I blew it. And that's the beauty of the cross. That's, the, that's it. It's, that is the standard. And so number three, what makes the gospel beautiful? Why, why can't, when we're broken in our sin, can we be redeemed and saved? Listen, it is the sufficiency of Christ. The sufficiency of Christ. As we've talked and studied about judgment today, listen to me. That judgment is never ours because God judged us perfectly through Christ on the cross, that through salvation in him, that judgment will never be ours. Finished on the cross, paid in full. And so what do we do with this? What do we do with this message? We respond with faith and repentance. Faith and repentance. And what, what repentance is, is to admit I'm broken. I just admit it to you today. I'm broken. And I need a savior. I need to run back to the cross. We turn from our sin. Repentance is a turn from and run to, and faith is believing and trusting in what we can't see yet. But all we know is that this message is true. And it's in this message, this beauty of the gospel, that we're saved from God's judgment, we're delivered by grace, and we're secure for all eternity. In this one simple message of the cross. And so I wanna ask you a question today. Have you been rescued? Have you been rescued? Is God on your side so you can know you're gonna be delivered, right? And then lastly, do you know you're secure for all eternity? Because today I'm here to tell you, you're looking at a man who's been doing this for six years and I needed that message today, not for you, but for me. And I pray some of what God's doing in me spills over into you today. So whatever God has for us, whether you need to take a next step, whether you need to come to faith in Jesus, respond through prayer, I pray you do that today. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, chain our minds. When we see what we aren't, may we see all that you are. Jesus, I, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for ministering to me. I thank you for 
coming to be with us in this time, Lord. God, I just pray for all you're doing in the room. I pray you would just move in power, Lord. Have your way. Have your way in us, God. And God, if there's someone here that would say, Buck, I've never surrendered. I've never repented. My life has been false. I don't, I don't know Christ. But today, today, I want to know Jesus. If that's you today, I'm just going to ask in a stitch of faith, would you lift your hand? Say, that's me today, Buck. I want to come to know Christ. Is that anyone in the house today? Amen. Amen. See you, young man. Anyone else would say yes to Christ today? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I see you, brother. Thank you for your honesty and obedience. Anyone else say yes? Amen. Lord, we thank you for today. And I thank you for these two men that have said yes. God, I pray for them. And God, I pray you would continue to move and work in power. And God, for all of us today, God, I pray that message would be fresh for us, God, that we would see the hope and the beauty and the love. God, thank you for how you love us, Lord. Thank you for how you love us, God. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the freedom, the joy that we have in you, Lord. Thank you for raising up a faithful remnant, God. Help us to continue to pursue you, to be people of light. God, I pray you continue to work and minister in this time. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we welcome two brothers into the kingdom? Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.